there's stages that a person goes through to become an adult. And a lot of us, because we got injured along the way, or we had a terrible adolescence or a ton of trauma or different things, we, we don't skip steps, but we have gaps or injuries that compromise our development at different stages. And when you're an adult, those underdeveloped stages show up as challenges in an intimate partnership. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome back to the Art of We podcast, episode number 64. Welcome back. This is a very special episode. We're really excited to be joined today by some of our dearest and oldest friends and uh, most revered coupleship friends in town, in our lives. Jason Gaddis and Ellen Bader, thank you for joining us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks for having us. Want to say more about our friends? Yeah. Well, I want to say many things, but I will keep it short because we have limited time with you guys. But Jason, I met you years ago and you actually introduced me to two of my best girlfriends through the work that you were inviting us into supporting you and your men's groups that you were leading at the time, which was awesome. And many of you probably who are listening have heard us speak about Jason and Ellen in some form. They are the creators of the relationship school, which we can let them say more about that. Jason was the best man in our wedding, which is very sweet and special. You guys have been friends for years, the two of you gentlemen. And Ellen is one of the most extraordinary therapists in my perspective around, and Ellen, I'll let you speak more to your work if you want to, but in terms of around really getting in there and deep and nuanced layers around couples and your previous work with eating disorders also, I've just always been really in awe of the work that you're doing in the world, Ellen, and so grateful that, that both of you are in our lives in such deep and passionate ways. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's really fun to yeah. be here. Hang yeah, that's great. And these are two people that we would go to and trust our hearts and our relationship with. Like they're really relationship geeks and gurus. And so it's really it's really fun to get to do this with, with you guys. Absolutely. Well, I just want to also say, you know, you're such an amazing foursome with your now two teenagers and just a lot of gratitude for you to pull away from a full-on two teenager home for an hour to be with us today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yes. We need breaks. We, we, we do need breaks. We're obsessed with our kids, as you know, and it's really good for us to get away from them. Good to step outside. Now, you guys have been married for how many years? We were trying to guess, but I'll just let you guys say. 16. 16. Together, 20, uh, minus a couple breakups. You guys have so many good stories about the start of your relationship and many times in your relationship, you have great stories too. So for those of you who are interested in hearing more about Ellen and Jason's great stories, I suggest you check them out. 
But <laughs> I really wanted to start with at the very high level, both of you are deeply involved in relationship work. You devote your lives, your careers, your hearts to supporting better relationships. And I really want to understand why you care so much about relationship and why you're, why are you devoting your life to it? For whatever reason, <laughs> I feel like relationships are the most important part of our life. And, you know, especially our primary relationships, our partners, our kids, our parents, parents less so as we get older, obviously. But I think that when that part of our life is functioning well, our overall health and well-being is functioning well. And it's just a part of our health and well-being throughout life that just has such a significant impact on our day-to-day experience on the partners we choose, the work we do. I, I mean, for me, it's so embedded in, in everything. So I, I've always been fascinated with relationships. I always was trying to help my family have better relationships, my friends. It's just, I've always been interested in humans and how we work and trying to understand myself and others that's just kind of who I am. And then my life experience has just shown me just how valuable this area of my life is for me. And I just want other people to have more information and ways to make that part of their life work better. Because I I really, I mean, we have the research to show it as well, but it just really seems like a huge piece of having a fulfilling life. Yeah. Um, I think I'm I'm into it because of my own pain in my journey, feeling alone in my family and alone in my social group. Even though I eventually had a lot of friends, I felt pretty alone. And then also keeping people at bay, really, at my life and not knowing that that was my fault, kind of. And then once I figured out I was the problem, I really saw everywhere I looked that interrelational trauma was at the bottom of so many people's problems, and I wanted to help with that in a big way. And I, I feel like I'm with Ellen that it's like the hub, the center piece of my life. And I think if other people live that way too, we might not only treat each other better, we might live in a more relational world. I mean, it's obviously super important to you too as well. So I fellow relationship geeks that you are, it just makes me curious about what has had you focus so much on that in your life too. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. I feel like I can resonate with both of you and both of your answers. And I think for me, I feel like I have so much more that I can do and want to do in the world when I feel really resourced relationally. And I just tend to be really attracted to also feeling like I'm of support to other people also. Like there's something that feels very valuable to me to be of value to another person relationally. And I don't think I would choose anything else other than relational health. If I had to choose just one area of health, I would probably choose relational health. Well, maybe mental health first, because it's hard to have relational health if we don't have mental health. But it's such a high value for me for those reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? Well, I think that I underestimated the importance of relational well-being for many years as an adult. And, you know, Jason knows well the journey I made through a marriage where my partner was less interested in a collaborative partnership. And we lived in silos like a lot of quote unquote high functioning couples do, but I was in a lot of pain and 
I believed that there were possibilities. You know, part of it was watching your partnership, your relationship evolve over time and seeing the possibility. And when I first started learning about secure functioning and Stan Atkins' work, it gradually became an imperative that I wanted to have that kind of relationship in my life. And it took me a long time to really take a stand for that. And when I did, it was clear that, you know, it became clear that my partner didn't want that anymore. And we even worked with Stan and, you know, it was clear. So it was super clear. It was really great. Yeah. You're I, talking about Stan Tatkin. Yeah. Yeah. And if we didn't mention already, Ellen has studied very closely with Stan for many years and is a packed therapist. So yeah. a little more context there. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of Stan's, I mean, if you guys could imagine a world based on all the work that you're doing together and individually, what are you standing for in the world or what do you imagine is possible in the world? by doing all this work? Is there something like some sort of future outcome or desire or possibility that lives in your hearts? Yeah, I think a more, um, a more connected world inhabited by individuals who are more connected to themselves. Because I feel like we're such a disconnected culture and a disconnected people, which is where we cause harm when we're disconnected from ourselves. And the way back into ourselves is through relationship. And so a more connected world just leads to way more possibility. Like you were saying, Krista, in your own life, like when I'm connected, so much more is available and I can do a lot more. As you guys say, we can do more than I can, right? And that just feels really true for me. And it's the world I want to create and live in. And it's what, what we've created in our home. And now it's like, how do we push that outward? Sure that. Yeah, I, I think I'm taking a stand for that how we treat each other matters like full stop, <laughs> like how I treat the grocery store clerk, how I treat someone on social media, how I treat my husband, my child, mm. like it really f matters. And it has an impact on that person, on that person's day, on how that person feels about themselves. I mean, especially if they're in my home. So I think that I, I really want people to get how much it matters that the way we are with each other, even strangers, really has an impact on our society. And then in a way, I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm doing this for everyone's future children because I I really want kids to grow up in homes and in a world where they are allowed to be children, that people understand what they need for development, and that it's just a simpler, more attuned experience growing up with less trauma and less dissociation and less neglect and abuse, I, that, that really would be an amazing world for me mm. to be a part of. Yeah, well said. Mm. You all are less than a handful of people that we know that are, in my opinion, doing attuned parenting and connection with their children and secure attachment with kids in a really new and profound way. And as far as I can tell, what's happening in your household is very unique and very different. Yeah, I think so. We yeah. tend to notice that. Yeah, we want we want it to be less unique. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want it to be more the norm. That, right. And uh, it's not perfect over here by any means. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But we're we just care a lot about our family and the culture here and the people under this roof. So that translates into I think people feeling cared about you know, and having real relationships with them. One thing that we, we've been working on over here is like 
who gets what needs met? For example, like, are we prioritizing our connection? Whose needs are we prioritizing? Are they my needs? Are they your needs? Are they the dog's needs? Now, we have a whole kind of system of how to do that. We're really choosing to make sure that we're prioritizing our own needs individually and together first. But I'm imagining when you add two other humans to the mix who are not full grown adults yet, how does that work for you guys in your household about getting everybody's needs met? Who do you prioritize? How do you prioritize your relationship as to is your intimate partnership or not? Tell us more about that. Well, we're probably less systematized than you guys. <laughs> we kind of figure things out as we go. And that has worked pretty well. And then we figure out like what isn't, it's like based on what's not working, we change things, you know? And so we learn a lot from our mistakes or from when things get stale or something just doesn't work, feel good anymore. Um, out of balance. Out of balance. So I think you have to appreciate the complexity of our situation of really anyone with multiple people's needs that they're responsible for. And it isn't a linear hierarchy at all for me. Mm -hmm. It's It's very much a living, breathing organism over here. And so there's a moment to moment thing and day to day thing, a month to month thing, an overall general direction we want to be moving in. And then there's just like a lot of, this is my experience. So it's like a lot of variability, you know, like right now this week, our, our son just had surgery. And so he's like, it's kind of all revolving around him. And then we're sort of fitting ourselves in around that. And our daughter around that. And she's, she hasn't loved it because it's been like a lot of focus on him. We've, she, mm -hmm. we've been, she's been telling us about that. So, you know, it gets out of balance and, and hopefully it's temporary and it's temporary. And then we get back into a rhythm of some kind, but I, I think ideally we're, we're helping each other look out for each other's well-being, which is stress levels and seeing friends and getting exercise and getting sleep we have to help each other because we have kids. So someone always has to be tracking them. And so we need, it's like, if I want to go do something, I need his help or mm -hmm. awareness at least to do it. So, and then, and then there's our relationship, which having time for that is like our, that's like our most precious thing. I think that's, mm -hmm. that's the thing that we, it's almost like we value the most because we have to really push everything aside to make it happen in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think to answer your question, and then I'll weave in what you said is for me, it's the aspiration is that this is the most important thing is our relationship with each other. Yeah. And obviously that includes our relationship with ourselves and. Cause that's holding everything. Right. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm going down, like I can't yeah. be there for her um, very well. So it's like us ourselves and then our kids, but sometimes it doesn't look that way. It doesn't, actually yeah. happen that way. Yeah. The kids schedules and needs and all that like usurps our connection. And then pretty soon it, it feels out of balance. And I usually say something. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of teeter tottering. I, I teeter -tottering. feel like. And yeah. I think, I think the, the underlying principle that we sort of live by, correct me if I'm wrong here mm -hmm. is that we want to have we want to behave in a way that the other person feels like a priority even amongst the chaos and among the kids' schedules and demands of life and stress mm -hmm. and sickness and all the things, I want to have Ellen feel like a priority. And I, I don't always do that. 
and then I hear about it and I want to hear about it because uh, it shouldn't feel good to her. Mm. And then that feels bad to me. And so it's sort of like the feedback comes in uh, pretty quick if that's out of balance. Yeah. Yeah. That, that rings a bell over here. I was down with the flu last week and right when it went down, I wasn't aware that until Krista brought it to my attention quickly, thank you, that the... Uh, the historical self-protection mechanism of just going way inside of myself. When, oh man! When I'm sick, he went way into an ice space. It was like it was like, where the heck is my husband? He's gone. Like yeah. so, you just basically pulled back and tried to do it on his own and wasn't letting you. Yeah. In. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And I heard about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. yeah, we want that feedback. Yeah. Well, I love that you two are attempting to prioritize each other. I feel prioritized. And I, I just imagine that it's harder to do in a system that has more beings in it. And so I just applaud the two of you in that, in that journey. Yeah, it's a practice. It's a practice. Thank you. And, and again, the, the feeling of being prioritized is really important, I think, to both of us. Like if we don't, if we're not getting as much time together, that's okay. As long as we feel like when we do have time that we're really paying attention or connecting genuinely in the moments we have, like we can, mm-hmm. you know, or we ask asking to make sure things are working. So there's a lot of ways to work with our limited, our limitations that we have in our life right now. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance, and now back to the episode. Is there one of you that tends to feel less connected to the other person in general, or are you both kind of the same around that? Like, I think we might be a little bit of the same, but at different times in our relationship, I might feel Mm. like I want more connection than Will does, or I need to be more connected or feel more connected than Will does. I think Jason's that person right now Mm -hmm. that you, you would be the first to speak up about how connected he feels with me. Would you say? Yeah. And then there are times when if he's getting preoccupied or stressed, I'll, I'll speak up and say something. So Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not only him, but I'd say more of the time it's you wanting more connection or, yeah, or I, s- I, speaking about that, like we haven't, you know, bringing it up, like, wait, where's our date? Did we schedule that? Making sure all that's happening for us. Yeah. Like stress is the, is always what pushes us yeah. in, in one direction or the other. And I think it pushes you inward. Yeah, definitely. And it pushes me toward because I want to talk it out and vent and off gas and do all the things. And no one wants to just go inside thinking that's going to be the most helpful thing. It's really a nice place. Though <laughs> I have a lot of inner resources I like to connect with because life is so stimulating for me. It's like I'm overstimulated or overextended. And so I'm like, oh, I got to 
but obviously Jason's a huge resource. So I'm, I'm still learning that, mm-hmm. you know, when things get really full that I don't need to just like go wander around in the wilderness alone for a couple of days. Right. I don't get to do that anyway anymore. So I'm curious how that shows up for you guys too. I mean, there's, there's a big difference in our relationship from the one I was in before and in regards to what role I played in the attachment drama. I'm, I'm much more islandy in this relationship than I was. I was very wavy before to use Stan's work, you know, to, to yeah. talk about it. And I guess I just attribute it to there's so much contact here that I don't have to go looking for it the way I used to. Mm-hmm. The hunger for contact is not something that happens a lot for me anymore. And this, I mean, not to say that I don't want it, but to say mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm feeling like my um, inner dial of the dial that tells me that I don't have enough contact doesn't, the alarm doesn't go off as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you think you get over contacted mm-hmm. sometimes by me? <laughs> um, in the beginning, I sometimes wondered if that was going to happen, but I don't, I don't feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes I can reach to you to feel more connected rather than really reaching to myself first to come from a connected place with myself to connect to you, if that makes sense. It can mm-hmm. be kind of like a a default way to feel connected with you, mm-hmm. but not coming from like a totally whole place. Mm-hmm. So that's part of my edge. Is that new for you in this relationship, Krista? Because I know Will's talked about his shift from his marriage to you. Is that different for you? It is different. I have felt this feeling in other relationships, but when I think back, there was more of a islandy, so less feeling of a need to feel that connected all the time, and more right. of a need to feel distance and separation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just think that's so cool. How over time, and depending on who we're with, those different aspects of our attachment systems come out, and I just always think that's cool for people to know that. You're not just one thing and it depends on who you're with and where you're at in life and so many things. But I love that you've gotten to experience, both of you, different aspects of that with each other. Yeah, it's really interesting to have different experiences of that. Yeah. Yeah. Our dynamic flipped when when we got married. I was way more avoidant distancing and then I was... I was more the wave really up until soon after we got married. Yeah. Wow. Why when you got married? For me, I think my story of my side is that I had never made a full commitment to anyone before. I always had one foot out. So that was exacerbated my nervous system pattern of just like, oh, one foot, I'm kind of chronically avoiding contact and too much closeness. Mm -hmm. And then once I said, I actually, I want to do this differently. I want to go all in with you. A new switch turned on in my nervous system Mm -hmm. that was like, I couldn't, (laughs) I didn't have one foot out anymore. And so I think naturally a new, a new pattern emerged that I hadn't experienced since I was a kid. Uh, yeah, totally. And I, it's like that switch is still on <laughs> in that direction. And then I got to feel just like the part of me that's like, oh, this is, a, this is a lot of contact. This is a lot of me being, I'm being asked more of in some ways, or there's more of a spotlight on me and in a whole new way. And so that was allowed me, I think, to remember that, oh, there's a part of me that also like space (laughs) or struggles with this sometimes, you know, struggles with really being seen. Yeah. 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 
So it's been growthful to mm -hmm. work on. I'm curious if that will evolve, you know, as the years go by in different ways. I'm sure it will. Yeah. Does it does it create a little bit of rupture or, or rubs sometimes with the two of you of of yeah, how do you deal with that or work with it? To me it's our main it's probably um, our main challenge. Main issue. We we have kind of mini ruptures throughout the week or month or but the big one for me is when she goes inward. Um, or gets quiet, that's still uncomfortable for me and still an edge for me to handle that mm -hmm. skillfully because it creates a new issue. So there was the issue, whatever it was before, and now there's another issue. Yeah. Okay. I have a question about that for you, Ellen. When you go inward, like Will did when he gets sick, like for example, and he's kind of in his own space, I don't really feel like I totally exist on a certain, I mean, in a certain way, like obviously he can see me and stuff like that, but what's happening for you inside of that space are you well without me assuming or trying to guess tell me what's happening for you in that space oh it's it's such a nice question because i think that that's where it starts to get challenging for us because basically i get stressed or under resourced in some way and i start to withdraw my energy because i feel like i'm overextended i'm over functioning i'm overdoing and and so it's this is unconscious i'm not doing it on purpose but i'm it's like my energy starts to kind of pull in. Jason's very sensitive to that and starts to perceive threat. And so it's usually I'm just, I'm getting under-resourced or I'm saying yes to too many things or I'm... So you're saying sometimes it has nothing to do with me. Oh, most of the time it has nothing to do with you. Sometimes. It when it does have something to do with a different situation. <laughs> but I'm saying most of the time it's that this will start it. I can talk about both. And then... What I've been trying to help Jason do for me, because <laughs> I need something there, he needs something too, but to try to just ask, like, you know, it seems like you're not doing okay, you know, to, to check in about my well-being, kind of like so, you are, Krista. So taking an interest in her instead of my, an interest in myself and my, in his own, what I need. It's just like, yeah. hey, what's going on mm -hmm. over there? As opposed yeah, to, or like, oh, hey, you're, you're pulling away from me or you yeah whatever yeah because then it's like oh my god i have another now i'm now i'm messing this up it's like another right. demand right. another stress another like right, right. I, now you're pissed off because i'm i don't get to struggle so what i'll start to say is like mm. and sometimes i have a bad day can i have a bad day and have you well, care about me <laughs> we've been struggling with that and then we're getting better at it obviously but that's been just really activating for jason and then his response is really activating for me because i I feel like I have to keep over functioning for everything mm -hmm. to work. That's which isn't true, but that's the message I get. Mm -hmm. And then when it is about him, like let's say we've had a conflict and I'm it's been repaired enough, but I still don't feel totally reconnected. That's like a whole other mm -hmm. thing that I again I think we're getting better at that because it's like sometimes I need more time and Jason doesn't, and we have to somehow figure out how to reconnect anyway, you know, even if it's like feels a little faster for me or like a little too long for him, like we have to come to some in between that's like where both of us are being honored, you know, that's the goal there. Yeah. So Ellen, it sounds like when you go into your, what I'm going to call an ice space, because you're kind of like resourcing yourself, it sounds like you don't see the relationship as a source of nourishment in that moment or a resource in that moment. Yeah, it's old patterning around if I'm not doing okay, there's no one that can help me. And so I'm going to go inward and actually no one's even going to notice that 
it's really old patterning from me as a kid where I kind of had to manage a lot by myself and no one really noticed that I was managing a lot by myself. So I do forget about him. I forget that he's a resource. I forget that my withdrawal impacts him. And so it's like, I'm like, I sort of have, one of the ways we've been working on that is I'm like, I really need you to like reorient me. I'm really going into like a state that is not very aware of you. And that in that state of mind, I'm not thinking that it's impact. Right now I can recognize that impacts Jason, but when I'm in that state, it's different. And so we've been trying to, I'm like, hey, if you're noticing that, here are the ways you can, because no one ever noticed that I was struggling or that I was under resource. So any kind of contact to that usually feels really good to me. If I'm coming from a place of genuine care in her experience, yeah. which sometimes I'm not. I'm sometimes he's coming experience. from like his own anxiety. I feel like I can really resonate with Jason here with, in how I approach you, Will, when there's, you know, when I feel like he's pulling away. I'm thinking about the impact on me versus like, oh, are you okay? And what's happening in actual care? And it's it's hard, I gotta say. It's hard to come with that in my experience. Oh yeah, so, it's yeah. hard for Jason, right? Yeah. And it's, it's really hard for me to remember that I'm impacting someone and that I can be sensitive and not feel the pressure to over-function. It's like, it's a lot for me to sort out yeah, too. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of where the rubber hits the road, I think, right? I mean, I don't know what the percentages are, but I bet most couples, I'm guessing four out of five couples is my number out of nowhere, but who are who are working with this island and wave, you know, moment that where it's so hard. And I've been in that wave position for so many years in my past life. So I, I know what that feels like of you really do on some level feel like the one who's withdrawing is doing something wrong. You know, it's like, you're doing this to me. It's like a statement of my worth that you're not acknowledging that I exist or something very primitive like that happens. And it's really hard to, for me, when I feel that to connect with my own despair or, you know, be with myself first and then come and then organize some kind of adult response of compassion and care. It's, it's super hard. Yeah, this is, it's really primitive stuff. It's really early nonverbal patterning. So it's, it is hard to move through and put language to, and to, it's like a whole other part of us comes online. That's like survival focused. And, and, and then we say and do things that aren't that adaptive to this. (laughs) I want to ask you guys about collaboration. Now, you can speak more eloquently about how you collaborate with the relationship school and the teaching and all of that. I would love to hear first just to share how you do collaborate. And then I would love to hear how well do you collaborate together and what do you do if you're not aligned on something? That's a lot there, but go for whatever resonates for you. Hmm. Well, I want to clarify that something from the beginning, which is Jason founded the relationship school. It wasn't, we didn't co-found it. And I was breastfeeding, <laughs> probably who was founding the relationship. <laughs> In saying that, it's been a slow, we've, we've had a slow on-ramp to collaboration business-wise, but we've been collaborating as parents for 15 years. Um, really well. Really well. Like we're, we love parenting together. I love parenting yeah. with you. Yeah, it's like, I think yeah. we're, our sweet spot of collaboration is parenting. There's a flow that 
of course there's fights or disagreements occasionally, but for the most part mm. we're very aligned and we collaborate extremely well um, yeah. and have so from the beginning, um, from yeah. conception onward. Yeah. And I'd say the, one of the keys to that one is that we're very aligned, of course, in terms of our values, we respect each other's values and we, I think we really appreciate each other's differences. So like in parenting, it's, it's, I think we've both, felt really grateful again 90% of the time for the ways we're different or the different things we see or the different qualities we can bring there's a lot of overlap but i think that that's mm -hmm. to me that's the heart of good collaboration is really appreciating the differences like really valuing them not just tolerating them you know yeah and so that in parenting has gone so well cuz he can do things or is up for things or knows about things that i don't at all and i'm like yes Thank you. And I think I have different strengths, you know, in different ways too. But we, mm -hmm. we've always sourced each other for those different capacities. And then I think business-wise, the relationship school, given Jason was really running it for several years before I started entering in and, and doing, I mean, I think I always was showing up from the beginning to t do little things, teach little things. Mm -hmm. And We've been talking about it every day of our lives since it started, but <laughs> but it's been different because it, it's kind of like I come into Jason's world, so I kind of come in and out of that, and then which isn't which doesn't isn't like, full, like doesn't feel like full collaboration. Or, it feels like yeah. teamwork, a version of it. But then when we have created something together, that's been super fun, but also challenging because there's so much to hash out and, and to create a coherent, I mean, you have to do this as parents too, like create a coherent narrative sort of for your kids. <laughs> we have to do that for students too. Like how can these two different life experiences come together in a way that's valuable instead of like overwhelming and convoluted. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think that we just have less practice there at the school. Um, and I'd also say that I think we do a good job still, mm -hmm. but I, I think we have, there's like lots more collaborative projects we want to explore because mm -hmm. it's mostly fun and mostly we think more valuable than just one of us. But would you say more about that? Yeah, I just agree. And uh, I, I do think when we collaborate, it's probably better, but it's harder for me. It takes um, longer. It takes, longer, it, it takes more time. It's slower. That's I can't probably, move as fast. That's hard for Jason particularly. Which, there's pros and cons to that, but often, yeah. often moving slower is better for my development. Um, fast is sort of nature comfort zone for me, but it's better for my growth. Um, and we, you know, we're kind of talking about what do we want to collaborate work-wise from like ground zero, where it's a true like co-evolving co idea, vision. Yeah. And we're not, we don't have clarity on something yet. We have a yeah. lot of ideas, but we're not, in, yeah. uh, we're not pushing anything forward in this moment. Yeah. How do you guys collaborate? Yeah, so. totally. Cause this is a collab, your podcast is a collaboration. I yeah. think this, it's got different yeah. elements to it, but it is, it is a huge collaboration. Yeah. And Chris is leading it for sure. So I feel included and an important, you know, contributor. But as far as carrying the load, I, you know, Krista's the one who's really doing that. Yeah. And it's this beautiful blend of a vision that originally came through me, but because it's so oriented around the we and like what's actually happening inside the we, 
it's, I couldn't do this on my own. It's like one of those types of projects where I like to make final decisions about some stuff, but more and more you're becoming more inclusive in terms of the different topics we talk about and where we're going and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's fun. It's evolved over time. In the very, very beginning, we tried to launch this a couple of years ago and it was just like, we tried to record a couple episodes and it was a nightmare. And we were like leaving a 15 minute recording with ruptures all over the place and lots of cleanup to happen. And like <laughs> trail of tears. Yeah. So, so it's been a process for us, for us and a really big growth opportunity which is cool. And then where we can't find alignment, we tend to just stay in the process until we're both full yes to the thing. And that might take a while, like you were saying, Jason, to slow down and not go too fast or bowl over or do something that's not really true to our hearts. Yeah, it makes me wonder about 5149 or, or the concept of Ellen Bader, the other Ellen Bader. Yeah. Um, There's the another couples another therapist. couples therapist. Amazing. The yeah. Couples Institute. Yeah. Amazing woman. And I interviewed her and she said they, there's a, and this has to do with decision-making, but I wonder if it has to do with collaboration yeah. too, like 5149, where you just agree that someone's the lead, like Chris is say with the podcast, but you're, but it's a collaboration, you know? I think there's differences. There are things where like with your relationship, I think you both could agree that like, yeah, that has to be fully right. collaborative. We can't have just one of us kind of leading the relationship. And the other person be like, okay, I'll just come along for the ride. Like wherever, wherever you think, this. wherever you think we should go. I know. Do this. Yeah. I love yeah. people do that. And I would say that's a place where you want full collaboration. And, and yeah, there's all kinds of little things inside of a relationship that could be, yeah, you're, you're holding more of that. I'm holding more of that, but it is cool to, for us, cause parenting has been such, you know, full collaboration, you know, to think about doing work that way too. But we don't totally have the space, bandwidth, and alignment yet to to really. We've done a few small pieces, but yeah, it's a it's a big deal to be in a fully collaborative situation. Yeah, and I would even say with the art of we, if Will, you said something to me of like, I don't want you to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, you know. So I think that we're we're probably closer to fifty fifty. Yeah, even even though I'm putting more time and energy into it. Yeah. yeah. It's a cool conversation and I'm so yeah. excited to see where you guys go in your collaboration. I know there's some some fun things for the future that might happen and we just so appreciate getting to watch you guys and how you do partnership and collaboration. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, likewise. It's, we love I love watching talk, you guys. Yeah, sharing grow and grow and sharing with you too as well. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that Ellen and I are big on over here is relational development. And it's like what is that? And to me it means if you think about a child from infancy to adulthood in the human development model, like Eric Erickson or something like that, there's stages that a person goes through to become an adult. And a lot of us, because we got injured along the way, or we had a terrible adolescence or a ton of trauma or different things, we, we don't skip steps, but we have gaps or injuries that compromise our development at different stages. And when you're an adult, those underdeveloped stages show up as challenges in an intimate partnership mm -hmm. because your partner triggers you in a place where you're not very developed. For example, your emotional literacy or your ability to empathize with another person's experience mm -hmm. when they're hurting and you're hurting at the same time. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's a very complex skill. Yeah. And I think being in Boulder and having practiced meditation and done a lot of things with Will, for example, over the years, 
and working with people, couples and individuals, we've noticed that there's people that try to do relationship in a spiritual way that really struggle because their focus isn't on development. It's on feeling okay or working with one's activation alone, for example, the verses together. And I just think that's interesting. I, I don't, I don't know. I think there's this, that's where I see relationships and partnership as a spiritual path to wholeness, to growth, to awakening, to consciousness, to development. What I'm hearing you pointing toward is a view that the sort of pinnacle of relational development is to take full responsibility for your own disturbance and to find a partner who also takes full responsibility for their own disturbance. But any co-responsibility for disturbance is considered to be codependency. Mm -hmm. In other words, you're having a disturbance. Why don't you go take care of your disturbance and come back to me when you've taken care of your disturbance? Yeah. And then we'll all be good together. Yeah. It's not my problem. Right. Yeah. Which is so much like the dismissive island families that so many of us grew up in, but now it's couched like in spiritual practice or something. And I think that there had, like you're saying it perfectly well, because there has been this, I think just real misunderstanding of, of what it really takes to co-create a relationship and that a relationship is a co-created experience. It's, there's a system, there's a dynamic that's happening and it's going to take both people to attend to whatever's happening there. And it's amazing how that's gotten kind of lost or pathologized as, like you said, codependency that, oh, if I'm, you know, participating in supporting you or that's somehow or if you're, toxic. Or, or if you're you helping know. me with my activation, that's somehow enabling. Or yeah. Yeah. And I mean, of course, that comes from having done the extreme of that or been, you know, not not with someone who knows how to take responsibility for themselves and one person's taking responsibility for the whole experience. So right. and this, this yeah. relational development view is, is trying to come back, I think, into the center of that, that mm. um, how can I have myself fully and have a real genuine relationship at the same time? Yeah. It's very complex. Yeah. I think a big game changer for us has been when we do rupture, really having the practice of looking at how we both participated in that rupture or even an activation if it's related to our relationship or to one of us. And I honestly feel like we're actually looking and seeing where we could have done something differently with each other mm -hmm. and being able to see that and not just say that we might, oh yeah, I can see where I participated, but not really mean it, yeah. has been such a game changer for our relationship. And I haven't had that kind of relationship with anybody before in my life. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge distinction. Yeah, there, for us, there's something about, as you say, keeping the other person in mind while I'm activated. That's really hard to do. It's so hard. You know, um, how do I keep Ellen in mind and her feelings and her experience while I'm going down or while I'm upset or while mm -hmm. I'm really activated yeah. or... And we're, we're really trying to practice that. I don't oh, yeah. know how well we do at times, but yeah, it's, it's, so. le it's learnable. Yeah. It's learnable, but it takes a lot of practice and it's not perfect by any means. But yeah. then the fallback is you can point that out when I'm not doing it because <laughs> I want to do it. Like I want him to point out when it's like, 
you're not thinking about me or something. It's like, yeah, I want to aspire to be able to do that. So, I mean, you can help each other in so many, it's like we, we utilize each other so fully here and that's just, it's just a huge asset to have another person to help, help you grow. Like totally, (laughs) which also means that it requires in a relationship that's going to be successful in my view, like you're saying, like each person wants to do that. Yeah, exactly. And it can't just be lip service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't have to, but you could have a different kind of relationship. But you're right. If both people mm-hmm. want that, then it's oh my gosh, you can go so a lot is possible. This is so far. Yeah, it's like imagining, and I don't have to imagine because I I lived this before Krista, but the attempt to tackle personal growth while you have to have your own blind spots covered by your, you know, your own self covering your own blind spots. And it's, it's just not feasible. I mean, there's no, you can't, you don't have eyes in the back of your head. You can't see when you're doing the thing that we're talking about tonight of not seeing your partner or, or thinking that they're doing something to you when they're just having a hard time. I mean, you don't have someone to challenge those older patterns so that you can outgrow them. Yeah. And where else are you going to get that illumination and feedback? You're not, it's going to be pretty hard. Totally. Nowhere. It's been such a pleasure to have the two of you here. Yeah. You're just such deep friends and souls and partners on this journey. So thank you so much for joining us. It really means a lot. Of course. Yeah. So just fun and sweet to be with you too. Yeah. I could just do this all day. Yeah. It's nice. Definitely. I'd love for you guys to share um, where they can find you if they want to hear more about what you guys are up to. Yeah. Uh, relationshipschool.com is that website. And this is a training training school for coaches who want to be relationship coaches. Yeah. So we certify coaches. Mm-hmm. We also have the class uh, called Relationship Mastery that I designed that would have been nice to have in high school or college and how this whole thing works and how to do it well. Yeah. It's a deep dive into how relationships operate and how to optimize them really yeah so that's that place our podcast and then ellen's on instagram instagram at at Uh, ellen bader and that's b-o-e-d-e-r yep and i'm Um, at jason gaddis and i'm yeah more active on youtube these days yeah and i highly recommend checking these guys out they're really really truly walking their talk and bringing some really good stuff to the world jason you also have your book Oh yeah. Getting to zero, how to work through conflict in your high stakes relationships. It's a great, yes, definitely a a book you want to check out. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks thanks for for having us. us. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow the show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If the show sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at art of we podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast on the art of we.